From TriTank Experimental Laboratory, this is the TriTank Podcast, where we talk about all things related to innovation in the church. I'm Father Lorenz Labrija. Thank you for joining us. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Father Lorenz Labrija. Today, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. Nah, pretty nice and sunny out here. Uh, welcome to episode zero, zero, I'm sorry, zero one one, episode 11 on Episcopal Pulse. And I am super proud of this episode because Episcopal Pulse was an, a tri-tank experiment that we tried, that we tried it with FaithX. You'll hear about that in a moment. And then we let go of the experiment. It became its own ministry when FaithX teamed up with the Episcopal Church Foundation to now offer it as a, as a resource to the greater church. So on the podcast today, we have Ken Howard. The Reverend Ken Howard is the founder and president of the FaithX Project, a faith-based nonprofit consulting research and resource development practice. You can see why it was important that we teamed up with them for this. It was founded in late 2016, and their mission is to help congregations and the judicatories that support them survive and thrive in challenging times through data-grounded discernment and strategic missional planning. So they are good about numbers, and that's why they were the perfect partner with us. Also joining us on the program today is Jacob Sierra. Jacob is the program director for Adaptive Ministries at the Episcopal Church Foundation. You'll hear that we call it ECF a lot. His work focuses on supporting the ongoing and burgeoning programs at ECF that enable the congregational vitality and sustainability of communities throughout the Episcopal Church. He hails from Chicago, where he has worked as a research consultant and in marketing research at a marketing research consultancy for several years. So he lives in New York City. He's joining us from New York City. And Ken is in Oregon, where he is now based. And this is a, a, a nice conversation about the, the, Episcopal Pulse, the Episcopal Pulse and these short micro-surveys and how we are trying to relaunch it now. It's coming back up in January of 2024. It'll be relaunched. And we'll talk a little bit about what it was, what we found out in the pilot, what was nice about that, what were some of the hiccups in the pilot. And then we'll also talk about what the future holds for it, in particular, how to build community out of the people that are participating in the Episcopal Pulse. I hope you like the conversation. And Jacob, welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Happy to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Ken, I think the first question is for anyone who's never heard of Episcopal Pulse. Uh, I'm, I'm going to clutch my, my my pearls while I say that how anyone could not know what Episcopal Pulse is. But for anyone who, who does not know what Episcopal Pulse is, uh, why don't you tell us what it is? Well, Episcopal Pulse is uh, an, an idea that actually came um, out of TriTank. Uh, and TriTank asked us to, at Paythex, to uh, kind of pilot test it as an experiment. And the idea behind it was to have a regular, uh, short uh, micro-survey that was related to issues that are um, either, you know, currently, current uh, major issues in the church, significant issues in the church, or ones that people see in the future. So um, the the name actually comes from the, uh, the kind of the vision statement for it is taking the pulse of the Episcopal Church. That's what we're trying to do. And the idea is that we get a representative sample 
of a thousand or more uh, people um, that uh, representative both of the uh, both of the demographics of the United States, but also in terms of different levels within the Episcopal Church uh, in terms of you know uh, priesthood, bishop, uh, and uh, you know, uh, laity. Laity, but also deacons. Sorry, sorry. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and lay people. Um, so we're trying to get a, that was the idea that that, uh, that that we get people who would agree to uh, you know to to stick with us for uh, at least six months um, and 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 answer within. We we started by saying tw- within twenty four hours, but but we've learned and we've extended that time. So that's life in a nutshell, right? Life life happens, and it, sometimes people can't respond right. as quickly as they would want to to respond. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you know when when Tritank and I can speak for Tritank, obviously, when Tritank first came up with the idea, it was like during the pandemic. All right, it yes. would have been nice if the church had access to quick information because as much as CPG get, gathers, that's the church pension group, um, uh, and others gather data or parochial reports. That data is of a, uh, of a past that, that is, so it, it allows us to look backwards, but it doesn't tell us what's happening right now. So for example, right. back, uh, if we can think of back to night, uh, March of 2020, that, 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 that month that just, that I can tell you the beginning and sort of more or less the end, but everything in between is sort of like scrambled eggs. I don't really know what happened when. But if we can look back at that, it would have been good for the church to know right away, like, how many congregations are open? How, how have the lockdowns affected congregations? It might have allowed bishops, I think, when we were thinking of this idea, the thought was that it would allow bishops with real-time information to make decisions, because the church needs to make decisions. And unfortunately, we're always sort of making them on either just looking backwards what the official reports tell us or anecdotal information that we may hear from the church here and there, it's sometimes good to have uh, a good, good data to, to function on. Yeah. Or even worse, just gut level hunches. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is unfortunately what bishops have a, to go a lot on because we don't have that data. Uh, yeah. Now, now Jacob, ECF, the Episcopal Church Foundation found them their way towards this, this constant to joining this partnership with FaithX. Uh, why was it important to you think to the to the foundation to be a part of this? Yeah, that's a great question, and and I would I would say it it starts in the partnership we had developed with FaithX through the Congregational Vitality Assessment Tool, um, which we use in a lot of our Adaptive Ministries programs. So Adaptive Ministries at ECF um, we was created within the last year um, and and developed formed through the leadership resources team that that existed at ECF for about a decade or so um and and I'm new at ECF so the, the, those dates don't don't quote me on those um but uh uh so at ECF, we recognize the necessity for the institutions in the Episcopal Church to adapt to meet the needs of the changing world hence why we developed adaptive ministries and so um in our view vitality depends on adaptability but to meet the needs of our changing communities and our changing world we first need to understand what those needs are so i think yeah. a lot of what ken just shared about um what you and at, at faithx and um you lorenzo at tritank we're, we're seeing how how does the church 
make decisions on programming or where to invest its its efforts and money um how do we ground that in data um cuz cuz the approach needs to be grounded in data um and that's that's how we see it at ECF um and that's and that's what we aim for and especially in our adaptive ministries programs and so we're building out um a way not just through the Episcopal pulse but but um but in all of our programs to evaluate the impact um, in a real way. So we can see that, um, as we further develop our programs, as, as we increase what we're, we're doing, um, we can see that we're like actually yielding some, some kind of change. And so, um, and to that end, we propose, um, to adopt the Episcopal Pulse Survey to, um, to kind of tap into this wide network of Episcopalian perspectives, not just the ones that we're engaging with in our programs, which are still pretty, um, still have a small scope, um, but we're, um, we want to to get at the Episcopal voices, um, lay, clergy, deacon, bishop, I mean, and, and all across the array, um, the, the array of the Episcopal Church, we, we're, we're hoping to to listen and, and to, to see what um, what what people are saying, what people are feeling about the, their congregations and and where they feel um, their congregations can receive some of that support. And I'm doing that, you know, personally with the churches that I'm engaging with, with um, pastors and priests. Um, but but it would be amazing if we can get some like quantitative data on that. Um, and that would shape the, the emphasis and where we're like developing programs, uh, resources for leaders, um, uh, where we build up programs that support, um, small congregations, which is a big focus in our team. Um, and, and instead of, you know, kind of chasing these, uh, wild geese around, you know, and, and like looking for, um, these programs that we think might, um, be successful, but we can't really have a way of knowing. Um, we, we're going to ground that in data. We're going to start from by asking people directly, like, what, what have you seen that works in your congregation? And then seeing what that looks like across the Episcopal Church. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I think is, uh, if we get some, uh, if, if something begins as an anecdote that we hear from a congregation somewhere, the ability to be like, hmm, is that also, do we think that's happening everywhere? Is this a national thing? And that's one of the things I think I like really when, when FaithX took over. So in typical Lorenzo fashion, when I was thinking of the idea and doing it, it's like, okay, we'll just send a text to everyone every day and it'll be whoever and whoever responds will be, will be great. And Ken's like, or, or we could actually. <laughs> You know, do this a bit more scientific, Lorenzo, uh, scientifically and try to like mimic what the, the population of the country and the mimic the population of the, of the Episcopal Church. And it's like, well, yeah, we could do that. That would be a much probably better way of doing it. And, and you're right. And so the results, if I recall correctly, and Ken, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but with sure. some of the results, it's like, as long as we get 385 respondents out of the thousand or so that are part of the pool, it, it is within a sort of margin of error that we can say, this is a fairly good response. We believe that this is what the church is, do, is feeling about this issue. Am, am I right on those numbers more or less? Right? Close, close. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, you're, uh, it's, it's both, uh, right and wrong in a way. Uh, the, 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 it, it, when you hit about 385, then you're getting about a 90% reliability. Uh, if we get more than 500, uh, then we're hitting around 95. Okay. So we're always, we were generally trying to do our, our best to keep it up above 500. Okay. Um, so, so that we could get the, the best sense of that where, you know, that, that this is really reliable data. 
Which makes the point as to why it is that we're, that we're trying to get over, uh, you know, a thousand or so members so that since not everybody will, will, will be able to respond as we mentioned earlier. Now, from the first iteration of this, which was the actual proof of concept before Tritank, like a good parent, mm-hmm. we let it go off and, and become its own thing with, with you all. What are some of the changes between then and now? So obviously we learned some things in the first one, like, uh, be, besides just Lorenzo wanted to do it really quickly and unscientifically and make it grounding and more in science. What else are some of the changes that are, that are happening in, with these microsurveys? Well, let me mention first what we, what we learned. I mean, it was a huge learning experience, uh, all the way through. Um, we, we originally started with your idea of, of, uh, of one day, and then I convinced you to maybe do <laughs> one a week. Uh, and uh, we, we had based it on uh, trying, to keep, try, trying to keep up that kind of a schedule. We were trying to, what we realized from, you know, based on research, is that we'd have to have something that was simple enough uh, and quick enough so that people could get on, vote, get off <laughs> and exactly. in, in two minutes in two minutes well one of the things that we found was is uh, what well, we there was many many times that we wanted to be able to follow up but it was difficult to follow up in the same week <laughs> um and so we began to realize that we 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 needed to be uh we, we needed to stretch what we called regular uh, from weekly to a larger, uh, you know, to, to a longer time period so that we could do a, a more thoughtful approach each time. Um, we, uh, we, we also, also learned that to, we to could that get point, more engagement in the stretching from our advisory committee um, if we took a more leisurely uh, pace. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna jump in there. Uh, sorry to talk a little bit over you, but to, but to say that in that, it, it, you reminded me actually. You're right. I wanted to do it daily. I can't even imagine what coming up with daily questions would have been like. We, at some point, we would have started to ask people about like, is your grass green today? I don't know. I, we would have run out of questions <laughs> to ask people. I, because I just don't know what I was thinking on that. But I just thought, oh, we'll always have something to ask. It's like, no, no. It, it, especially if you wanted to make a difference, right? If we wanted to be actionable data that we can take and do something with, right. just, you know, getting people accustomed to answering right. daily questions. But, you know, I, when, when the way that you say it, right, that, that we wanted to be more thorough in what we were asking and the follow up questions, you're right, because sometimes we were like, Oh, if, if, if we had seen sort of this, the way that this response was going to come in, we would have asked this follow up question to be like the sort of why, you know, to try to figure out why is this happening? Whereas we weren't. And so what's happening now, it's so originally the original idea was one question once a day, you were, you said you're crazy. So let's do it weekly. So we did. And it was one question weekly. And so now though, the iteration of it is going to be that it is monthly, right? And and a couple of questions. Yes, that's right. And two like related questions in the, in the same, uh, in in the same, um, uh, in the same micro survey. I think the other thing that w- that uh, we really learned uh, in in the in the first iteration of this, uh, you know, in, in the uh, uh, in the experiment part of it, the proof of concept, is is that it it, uh, it became clear to us that what we were trying to achieve is actual behavior change. You know, that we were trying to get people to take this data and do something with it, 
And, and that made it really important that it was generated by people in the field, uh, that uh, it, it was real time. Um, and we got back to people very quickly uh, uh, in, in, in terms of what we were learning from each survey. Uh, that also helped us keep up the, uh, you know, the level of involvement when people knew right away that we had looked at what they had, had they had, uh, you know, had, had they had given given us and given it a little analysis. But it was always hard to do <laughs> any really good analysis, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And uh, actually, thinking back, I'm trying to think of some of the questions off the top of my head. And of course, I'm not even at my office right now as we're recording this. Do you happen to remember any of the questions that you thought gave back some surprising answers? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I actually remembered one that you and I uh, talked about when it came back. And, and uh, we, we said, you know, what are the things that, that you're that, that you're having the most success with? And what are you having the most trouble oh, with? I remember that. <laughs> and it was like, a, it was like, uh, you know, evangelism and discipleship. <laughs> Those were the lowest. Yeah. And we were like, oh, that is, you know, that is a surprise and not a surprise. <laughs> I'm sure some of the people listening to us right now are like, uh, you needed to do a survey for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that was the thing is sometimes we were asking questions that you might think are just kind of duh, you know, uh, of course, you know, that, that of course we would like, you know, that we would be great at evangelism and that we'd be great at, at discipleship. But, uh, you know, th- th- this being anonymous, it, it allowed people to just basically say the truth of what was going on in their, in their congregations, in their diocese. And, you know, it kind of got us back. Uh, if you'll excuse my French, it got us a little past the bullshit factor that is always happening when you're when you're trying when you're trying to get anecdotal data from yeah. people face to face. And and to the point that Jacob was making earlier, right? It, it, there is one thing between us sitting here as Episcopalians, sort of knowing our our church and saying like, "Duh, idiot!" Of course, we're not really good at evangelism. Look at our churches. This is why we're not full, right? And there's a difference between that and having the data saying, oh, by the way, the church also knows this. People in the pews and priests and bishops and deacons, they all tell us that we are bad at this and shouldn't we be doing something. But to have that data then allows perhaps the, the foundation or others to perhaps be like, how do we do something about this? Yeah. And the other interesting thing in that particular one, it was that they that the, the, the very top of the heap, which also was sort of expected, was worship. And, and and spirituality uh and 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 even with that it, it because of what we got in the uh evangelism and discipleship it led us to kind of question that um you know are we you know we love our liturgy and we do the kind of liturgy we love well but is that the kind of liturgy that we need to be doing to to do good evangelism and discipleship Jacob, what are some of the questions that you think will be coming up? Uh, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I, you may not have talked about this with Ken yet, but what are some of the things that you're hoping the foundation will be able to get uh, clear insights on uh, from Episcopal Pulse? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we are still in in the the stage of kind of deciding and and defining what what we want to know. Um, one of the the Pulse pilot um, results that I was I've been really fascinated by, and I'm I've kind of uh, the way we, we've been like 
using it to to kind of get the word out for to, to the for the relaunch um, is one in twenty Episcopalians surveyed back in twenty twenty two. This was the, for the pilot um, said that they have uh, they don't have a significant uh, population of uh, young adults, which is defined eighteen to twenty five years old. And so so that's like five percent of Episcopalians that were surveyed said like under twenty five percent of their church uh, or under twenty percent. Um, so. You know, we're stretching the how we define uh, significant presence in your congregation, but um, but I'd, I'd love to, and, and I'm hoping to, and we're, we're, we'll be discussing, uh, I believe, next week to to kind of define what the first survey in January will cover. But um, we're really hope. Oh, I'm I'm personally hoping that we can kind of like jump back on this topic, young adults in congregations, young young adult engagement, and mm-hmm. so we we know and we see it in the data. We also all see it in our churches and our congregations that like. There aren't many young people, um, and and so we know that. But we'd love to hear a bit about and learn a bit about why, why, why people think um, what what has been working in in the congregations that seem to um, see that it's working, um, and then vice versa. What where do people think it's um, not working? I'd love and and I have a background in, in market research, and so there's often um, this idea of you know serving what people do, how people behave and what people think, because often there's a very big difference, maybe not a big difference, but there's a there's often a difference um, between that, because what people think might be the solution might not be what they're doing already. And and what they're doing that works might not be what they think will make it work in the future. So like um, so that's something we're we're excited to um, uh, to kind of explore, I think. So that'll be a good first topic, I think. And and also everyone. And, you know, what I've been advised um, on is pick topics that people immediately have an answer to um uh you know um i, I saw in the the in the pilot uh, we surveyed um on open communion which uh around that time it was a, a, he, a hot topic you know people are, you know people on twitter are saying one thing or the other there's like all these fights happening um and so we're trying to get at the the a bit of the hot topics there which is good. It's, it's good for us to be able to have that information. Even if, for example, let's say, I remember, at the, again, not to go back to those early days of the pandemic, but I, I do remember the conversation in the early days of the pandemic about whether or not communities should be done through the internet, right? Whether that's a, that's a viable way for us to, to be able to do it. Do, do, do the magic hands extend? And certainly people uh, much more theologically inclined and certainly above my pay grade were having those conversations. But it would have been interesting to see what, what the church thought. Right. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm saying that that necessarily needs to inform what our theology is. Right. We can still say, I understand that all of us are missing communion. And that probably leads us to say any communion, even through the magic hands through the internet would be better than no communion. That's what, you know, seeing the effects of the pandemic and the, and the, and the real depths of it, if you will, compared to when we're outside of the pandemic and we can have a good conversation. But it would have been just interesting to sort of see like, okay, what, what do we think? Do, do most of us want communion? And, and again, I'm not saying that Everything should we we obviously have things that are values of the church. We think we have theology of the church. We have the creeds. We're not going to change any of those. But it's it's interesting right. e- even to know about. It'll be interesting for me uh, going forward also to know about like Christian formation. Um, the Tritank is doing a lot mm-hmm. more about cr- uh, Christian formation. With there certainly, I wish we could uh, measure better about whether or not people are more than just Sunday morning go to church type thing. Are we forming Christians, mm-hmm. people who? shape their entire lives 
around this life of this guy named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? That who we believe was the son of God who came back from the dead, all of those things. Or are we just for, sort of like doing, and the reason why I say that is because now post pandemic, right? And the numbers are still down in some congregations. I think we lost a, a good chunk of people. And they say, I remember when I first heard the phrase, uh, they lost the church going habit. And I'm like, well, doesn't that in and of itself tell us something? If it's just a habit to go to church on Sunday, rather than I go to church on Sunday to be formed, I go to church on Sunday to accomplish mm-hmm. something. Because you know what's a habit is is like going to brunch is a habit. You know, going to the movies on Friday night is a habit. Theoretically, church should not be in that same category. So it'll be interesting if we can use the Episcopal mm-hmm. pulse to 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 delve deeper into some of the other areas of the of the church where we can maybe learn how to be better at it. Well, it's interesting, too, and this is part of why we're looking forward to having, um, you know, a a more measured approach to this, you know, and having a little bit more time um, is that is it is is that that before we were also learning a lot from the comments that people would send back to us, uh, you know, and and engage us offline uh, about. And so. You know, like one of the things that we began to realize as we were going through this is that as kind of an overall statement that we could make from this is that those people who saw the the um, those people who saw um, the pandemic as an opportunity, as opposed you know as opposed to just something they had to get through and go back to the way it was. Correct. You know, those people were doing better, which makes sense, you know, right? Doesn't it? It's, right. Yeah. 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 And also some of the things when we got into that discussion about uh, internet and, and communion, um, we found that some of the some of the dioceses were making the people come into their church <laughs> um, and, and pick up communion wafers and stuff and take them back home, you know. And so you know, people were like, "Come on, exactly." You know, like, that isn't that <laughs> isn't that a, isn't that a little uh, you know. Uh, Clerical, clerical. It's above my pay grade. I'm not going to discuss that subject on today's podcast. I did want to add this actually because you just mentioned something that might be a good idea to add to Episcopal polls is what if if when we do the micro surveys, we leave one sort of space at the bottom for them just to add any comment. Do you have anything you want to add? It might be kind of interesting because it might give you, certainly now, even if you get a thousand responses, it doesn't mean that we have to read a thousand responses because we can put it through AI and it can summarize for us what people are, are saying in their own responses. So beyond just looking at the quantitative data, we might get a little bit of qualitative data if we just allow yeah. anything else you want to share on this topic. It might be Absolutely. kind of an interesting way to do that. That might be Absolutely. kind of cool. Yeah, that's already yeah. uh, uh, in one of the questionnaire templates. The, 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 yeah, yeah, oh. we've, yeah. yeah. My little uh, survey is growing up. It's like an adult. That's right. <laughs> well, and, and, and we were doing that to some degree, uh, but with, with a week to analyze, we could only analyze the hard numbers. Yeah. You with, know, with, you know, and for some people might hear that, like, you had a whole week to analyze. Like, let's keep in mind, people, that for none of us is this our full-time job, right? <laughs> this, we were all sort of doing this on top of other things that we had to do. In a, so it's it's not as, as he's... Uh, so where do we stand? For those who are listening who are like, A... Can I see some of those? I think we did like 30 some odd questions in the, in the pilot phase, right? Uh, are, are those questions still up in results? Can someone t- take a look at them? B, if somebody wants to participate, if they're a member of the church, clergy, laity, bishops, deacons, uh, 
fill in another that that we may come up with uh where where can they do that and see uh is is there how do they get on the list to make sure that they get the results even if they don't want to participate in, in in answering the questions how do they get the results on an ongoing basis so they can inform their own decisions so those three questions right take it jacob <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i'll share the links so that they're on i don't want to read a url but those are those will be up on the ecf site um and okay. actually they, they are up on the ACF site. Um to find the past results, you can go to episcopalpulse.org um and you can click the button that says see past results and it kind of lists everything in, in graphical form um for the 39 um different uh surveys that were done in the pilot. Um and soon we'll be migrating over that that into like a, a single page. But um but yeah, it's it's really exciting to look at and it's and really interesting to like parse through and and kind of piece through that. Um I I'll also plug in a few things, um, a few additional things, reasons why you should join the pulse. Um yes, let's do it. Aside because because aside from contributing your wisdom and and shape to shape ECF and FaithX programs and resources, um you're you're also you'll receiving a sneak peek of survey results. Um, they're, they're shared back. That's that's something that was practiced in the pilot and something we want to continue to to do so that we can um, make sure that the community of Pulse members um, are the first to to see um, to to see and react to to what we're doing. And we're going to explore some ways in creating like discussion boards so people can react to to stuff and share more and have like um, some back and forth um, with that. I think that that'll be really exciting. Um, and then also there's a um, there will be other other ways, um, a monthly drawing for, for a gift from one of our partners. Um, right now we've, uh, we've been contacting folks, um, Earth and Alter, which is a, a, a young magazine in partnership with Forward Movement. Um, they've gifted us a number of Lenten devotionals that we'll be, um, oh, giving cool. away, um, for our first survey. So by completing the survey, you enter the, the drawing for, for one of the, the gifts and it, it'll be something different every, um, every month. But, um, but yeah. And, and so there, there's a lot of exciting ways, um, gifts for yourself, gifts for your family, for your church. There, there are some resources we can, um, we can give away for, for your congregation of choice. And so, um, as a token of appreciation for sharing your thoughts. Um, but yeah, I think part, but the really the main, the main draw for me would be to, to just become part of, um, being that Episcopal voice, um, and so that we can hear what you're saying, and, and we're hoping this can grow b- even bigger than than a thousand members if, if one day. So, um, tell your friends, tell your family to to join. Um, and yeah, the link should be shared um, in where, wherever you you get your your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 somebody, if somebody, yeah, it'll be in the show notes. But if somebody goes to the website to episcopalpulse.org, is there a link there to sign up for the new version of the Pulse as well? Yes, there is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, perfect. we've, so, we've so, linked it to that. Does it does send you to if you're just listening right now and you're on I-95 and you're just driving and you don't want to take notes or look at the show notes, just remember episcopalpulse.org and you mm-hmm. can get there. Uh, you can also go to the FaithX website, ECF yep. website and dig and you'll find them in both of them. But certainly if you just go to episcopalpulse.org, you'll find the information. A- again, I-, I like the way you put it, Jacob. The-, the wisdom of the church is in the church. It is not in those who happen to wear purple or those who happen to wear uh, black or little uh, collars. <laughs> it is, it really is. It, I've seen other colors, right? So, I, I, but so it really is the church. It really is up to all of us to share that knowledge so that we can make better decisions, especially as we're undergoing the change, as the world is changing around us with AI and everything else. It'll be interesting to see at some point, like find out, is your church in any way using uh, AI t- uh, t- for ministry? Uh, that would be an interesting one as well at some point. Um, I, I would just like to, I would just like 
to reinforce something that Jacob just said, and that's one of the really exciting things about this new iteration of it, is the fact that we're using it to build a community. Um, and, and, and that will help us have more in-depth discussions. That will help this, this get uh, put to work more effectively. Uh, and it will also keep people more involved longer <laughs> uh, <laughs> than they're just by themselves answering a, you know, a questionnaire. You're Excellent. Gonna, you're, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna say goodbye to everyone. Uh, and, and any final thoughts, questions, comments from Jacob, uh, Ken, anything else that we want to share? Okay. I on that note, thank you, Ken and, and Jacob, for being on the, on the podcast today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's, it was an honor. Thank you. I, I listened to every episode. Woohoo! Wouldn't have missed it. <laughs> you and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. To learn more about Tritank, visit tritank.org. Be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter where you can keep up with all of our experiments. The Tritank Podcast is a production of Tritank in association with Resonate Media. Tritank is a joint venture between Virginia Theological Seminary and General Theological Seminary. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm Father Lorenzo Labrija. Until next time, may God bless you. Do you have something to say? Are there people who want or need to hear from you? Have you always wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Welcome to Resonate Media, where our mission is to amplify you. At Resonate Media, we focus on helping underrepresented voices and aspiring podcasters get started by providing equipment, expertise, and experience to help you launch a podcast. To get started, visit ResonateMediaPro.com. Don't let the confusion, complications, and costs of hosting, recording, editing, and distribution hold you back. The world needs to hear what you have to say. Resonate Media can help your voice be heard.